Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimIllman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It's the pre-event and we've caught Kim on the way to Baku right now. How have the flights been so far and how much further do you have to go? Yeah, look, uh, I was lucky enough to get a last-minute uh, flight with Qatar Airlines, which uh, surprised me. I've never flown before, and uh, we're here in Doha. I've got a very quick one hour on the ground, so 24 minutes of that is talking to you. And uh, then it's off to Baku on a short two-hour 50 flight to uh, a very interesting place. It's um, I don't think many of uh, those people listening would have been to Baku. Hmm. Uh, I certainly never heard of it before I got involved in F1. So what is it like in Baku then? Well, it's a, it's a mixture of old and new. Uh, it's got a lot of oil money and some beautiful buildings, lots of glass, and the way they light them up is spectacular. Right in the middle of the paddock is, uh, well, actually, one end of the paddock is the Hilton Hotel, and it has these beautiful, bright LED lights that they change colour on. And uh, there is a beautiful shot to be had uh, on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, when all the drivers go to the driver's briefing. They walk down the paddock. And if you shoot low, you get light on the driver's faces and bodies. Then behind them are these lovely red, green, blue lights of the Hilton Hotel. And uh, I missed it last year. I saw one of my counterparts shooting it and I realized too late that that was a fantastic shot. So that's my challenge to be alert enough to be down there at the right time and uh, shoot that. But once you get a couple of streets away from the track, it tends to get a little bit uh, ordinary in terms of buildings etc it's got a big russian influence obviously mm -hmm. but uh, the city center the old city center is quite lovely very busy um, some lovely hotels have gone up in the last well i'm gathering five to ten years and they are world class uh, and surprisingly very good value normally if you get a street circuit like this like if you look at singapore well they uh, they don't they don't mind charging plenty for there but I think in comparison, this is reasonably good value for a peak period to be able to get so close to the track in a quality hotel. But it's a real nightmare getting around um, as an F1 photographer because they close a lot of the streets off and you're racing on the streets and hence you've got just a footpath either side of the track. So there's no buses that can run around the track. You pretty much have to do the whole lot on foot and it's uphill and down dale. But not complaining, it's just simply what it is. So does that mean it can be tough getting from one end of the track to the other? Yeah, there is a long straight and uh, it's in the order of one and a half kilometres long. And that's from the pits to the other end of the, the circuit. But they do actually throw on a golf buggy or two, which runs up the Caspian Sea walkway. And it's a beautiful drive. But of course, you're not going at 60 k's an hour, you're doing about 20. It's quicker than walking, but still hellishly slow when you've, you've got to get from one end of the track to the other. But of course, when we're carrying what we carry, it's certainly preferable to footing it. Um, once you get up to that end of the track, you're pretty much walking around the outside of the track. But we also get the opportunity to go up into several buildings. And I remember last year, I went up the top of one building, and I thought, well, this is really quite dangerous. It was... Uh, crumbling, uh, had a balcony, but well, you didn't want to go too close to the edge. You do get some great shots from high up. And I remember last, a year before last, I went uh, to the castle on shot from the top of the castle. And they said, right, well, you've got to walk across this wooden plank. Uh, you're about two stories up. The wooden plank is, I'm thinking, 
25 centimetres wide, you've got a bit of gear that you're going to carry, and it's probably in the order of two and a half metres. And it was quite frightening. No one fell, but my gosh, I tell you what, it had my full attention. It was my turn to clamber across. And the shots are good because you shoot through these little holes which you could imagine going back into hundreds of years ago where they would have shot arrows through them perhaps or bullets oh, yeah. uh, or just kept watch through these little holes. And it's uh, a real challenge to work out how you frame a shot to make it interesting using uh, that particular angle from behind the castle shooting through a hole to the cars on the track. Does the castle make a good centrepiece or a backdrop, I suppose, for some of these photos as well? Yeah, totally unique. There's no other track uh, where we get shots. And, and a few years ago, I looked at shots there and they had no signage. They just had lovely plain uh, barriers. But now, of course, it's just littered with Heineken signs, which tends to just detract a little bit from the shot. Mm. But uh, in the right spot, you can position it so you get car, uh, see below the car and around the car and above is this beautiful old brickwork of this castle and uh, I, I love that shot I think it's unlike any other but of course it's got to be the right time of day and with the right conditions and I happen to know that the second session the later session on Friday and in qualifying on the Saturday are the two times you'd want to be there for the best light there is a bus that runs around on the track that takes us 40 minutes before the start of a session if you're prepared to hang around forever out there. You can get the bus, it drops you off and puts you in some spots that you just can't get to. There's one spot as they turn up into the castle area where you have to get the bus, you have to jump off the bus, go over the fence and sit in a very small area for 40 minutes to wait for the session to start. And then you can walk out a gate which gets you out of the track but you can't actually walk in that gate because there's no security. They're very heavy with scanning, so there's no scanner there, so you can't actually walk into the track. So the only way to get that shot is to go and waste that 40 minutes waiting for the start of the session. So let's move into the paddock and pit area, and what's that like in, in uh, Azerbaijan? Paddock's lovely. It's uh, certainly nowhere near as wide as what China is. It has uh, raised um, hospitality suites. At one end of the paddock is the, I think it's, yeah, I'm sure it's the Marriott Hotel, and it's a multi-story hotel, and uh, a lot of the drivers stay there because it's a simple walk across the track and you're inside the paddock. But they put this um, ground to top level artwork on it, which I'm guessing is 15 to 20 stories high. It'd be 20 meters wide, and it's quite an impressive sight. And we get to shoot against that for uh, a number of shots. And one of my favorites is if, if I do the pits, which I'll do probably FP3, I get to sit at one end of the pits. There is no fence in front of me. The cars come around, you can get them as they come out of pit lane, they're only about 20 meters from you. So they're in the foreground, you use a wide lens and you get this beautiful building behind them with this artwork promoting F1. So that's a shot that I've shot before and, and quite enjoy. In terms of uh, the paddock itself, just nice, good atmosphere. Pits is um, nothing interesting about that really. The Hilton Hotel is at the other end, so you've got mm. married at one end, the Hilton at the other, which yeah. is actually inside the circuit. Some of the drivers stay there too, and they never have to go through security. Once they're inside the circuit, they just go from the Hilton Hotel to the paddock, out around the track, and away they go. But uh, that hotel is where our media center is, and we use the ballroom. So it's one of the more elegant media centers that we have, although it is a fair hike from the swipe gates to get into the paddock. It's probably in the order of 120 meters. So that's a, a bit of time it costs you 
Whereas somewhere like a Japan, our media centre is right inside the paddock. So you step out the door and you can snap drivers coming and going. This is a little bit different. Great food for us, great lockers, just really quite pampered. Do the drivers usually stay so close to the track? Uh, I think a lot of the drivers wouldn't like it in the Hilton because it is so busy. I think they prefer to be somewhat removed from it. But certainly all the good hotels are within a 5k radius, unlike somewhere like uh, Japan where you have to drive an hour or so to get a, a proper five-star hotel. Most of the stuff around the Suzuka circuit is very local and I'm not sure how many drivers would stay out in that area, whereas in Baku and in Singapore and in Melbourne, really good hotels are, are quite close by. F1 on and off the track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Let's talk about turnout now. We've discussed it in other episodes, but what's the audience like? Yeah, on race day, they roll up. Uh, I think Friday will be very quiet again. I'm not sure that uh, too many of the locals have the disposable income to go to the races. Uh, having said that, though, there are two great concerts on on the uh, Friday and Saturday night for those who love Sam Smith and Cardi B. If you're a fan of those two, your general admittance ticket gets you into those concerts as well. So they're great draw cards. A number of tracks have those uh, events. I remember um, what just come from in um, Bahrain. Do we have one there? I certainly had one. Uh, uh, yeah, China. in Bahrain they had. Yeah, China. Do we have one in China? I can't even remember now. It's so <laughs> long ago. Well, it's all oh, ten days ago. But yeah, they tend to draw people in. And look, there's a real atmosphere, great atmosphere around the track because they have different uh, party zones and I think they do a good job of drawing in the locals even if they don't get inside the track but they appear to be part of the festivities around the track. Now I believe Baku is one of the few places that lets photographers shoot from the grandstands is that correct? I have shot from the grandstands there and it's not that hard to get out of our motor area and go up and then come back. There is a beautiful shot to be had where the cars go down one side of a double lane highway and come back the other side. So there's one line running down the middle and you've got cars running in different directions and you've got those beautiful big hotel, I think they're hotel, they might not even be hotels, they're probably office buildings, but they're in the shape of a flame. And it is a really lovely sight. But for me, you've pretty much got to go there for that one shot. And it's a lot of hiking Mm. to get there and you've got really one or two shots, and then pretty much shot after that, you've got to go for a whole wander back um, to the paddock or at the other end. So it appears, from my understanding, and uh, as I said, I've only done this twice, it's all up at the pits or it's all up at the castle. There are some other scattered shots, but that's probably where you, you would spend most of your time at one end of the track or the other. So you kind of have to pick beforehand where you want to go and just stay there. Yeah, you do, and you work those areas and you work out which has better light. Certain shots you don't want to have the road half in shadow, certain shots you do. So there's a bit of planning involved, but of course, oftentimes I'll get to there and think I'm going to do this for 20 minutes, this for 20, and then I'll get distracted and go off on a tangent somewhere. But uh, look, I'm, I'm never sure of getting a shot of some sort, whether or not it's the world's best shot. Well, that's, that's uh, arguable. Well, speaking of your shots, I saw some from last year where you got up very close with the cars. I believe there's a section where you can shoot really close. Yeah, there are two turns where we can stand on the inside of the corner and the car will be less than a metre away from our lens. 
uh, one up at the castle, you can actually get the castle in the background, and the other is about one, uh, I'm thinking turn six or eight, and it's quite amazing to see how close we can get to them. And uh, there's a photography window there, hence you can get your camera out and just sit it right on top of the barrier. Um, yeah, th those sort of corners aren't that common um, mm -hmm. when we get around to uh, F1, where you can, because it's a street circuit, obviously, and those barriers are banged right up against the curb. It's, uh, it gives us a great opportunity to get very close. Now, last year there was a crash between Daniel and Max. Were you able to get anything from that? No, my um, good friend Hassan was uh, one of those who stayed out late, and as he often does. He says, I'm not going to go back for Park Fermi. I'm going to stay out here because the last few laps is often when drivers are pushing hard, they want to make up that one position. And of course, if you're at the end of that long straight, where they come towards you and have been doing crazy speeds for you know, a kilometre and a half, there's tremendous braking involved, and that's where the accident happened between Dan and uh, Max in the Red Bulls last year. Uh, Hassan managed to get that shot, and I think he was one of very few to snare it. I was actually standing, waiting to queue to get out into Park Ferme, and I watched it on the TV and thought, oh, well, I'm way back in the, the queue for Park Ferme, so I might as well go and take shots of the two drivers coming back and they did both of them came back separately not more than 20 30 meters apart and of course there were no words being spoken between the two of them and uh, later on they obviously got a dressing down from Christian Horner and uh, Helmut Marco but yeah they neither of them looked very happy but uh, I probably will run those shots tomorrow because I, I looked at them the other night and thought yeah that, they tell a story now last year on your flights to Azerbaijan I believe you lost a suitcase into the, the wild airplane world. How do you shoot without some of your camera gear? Oh, you just reminded me, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a bit, um, that was a bit of a pain in the bum. Look, most of my, I take my camera bodies and uh, my major lenses with me, but things like chargers, uh, cables, uh, other non-essential stuff that you realize once you haven't got them are essential, mm. were in that bag. And they, they had it for a day and a half, the buggers. And I had to ring them and beg them to get it, and I was sitting in some storeroom for half a day anyway. So I was very lucky in so much as my colleagues around me would lend me, oh, here's a battery, and Canon were there, so they lent me this and that, and other people would allow me to use their card readers. Um, now, I was very thankful to have those associations where you can go and lean on a, a mate to say, look, can you lend me this? And of course, I'd do it too, and I think from my side of things, if someone says, look, I've lost my luggage, can you help me out with that? I'm more than happy to help because I mm. think, well, it's a lot easier for me to help out than have to go and try and get all that stuff myself. I'd ra rather be in the position of helping someone than having to, to need help, which I was this time last year. And of course, I'm not out of the woods yet. I've still got another three-hour <laughs> flight to go and there's no guarantee my stuff's going to be at the other end. And just as we close, I believe Pierre Gasly was wearing some of your son's designer clothing? Yeah, my son Tyler shot with me in Melbourne and uh, he's developed a range of clothing, uh, in particular some t-shirts under the brand name Anything But Reality. And he decided he'd give Pierre a shirt. So uh, he gifted it to him on one of the days and I got a photo of him giving him the shirt. And of course, you hope he wears it for Tyler's sake, but uh, he didn't wear it the next day and we didn't think he'd wear it to a race. And we just of course forgot about it. And, Yesterday I was sitting in Lanson and I was flicking through Instagram and I happened to look at a picture of Pierre and his girlfriend on some uh, arcade game and, and I didn't even notice because I was looking at his girlfriend and she was jumping around on this machine and then I looked at the next post, not from him but from a fan, 
And there's Tyler's shirt on Pierre, and he's wearing it with this other chap and been photographed. And I thought, well, that is incredible. So there's a bit of dancing and yahooing, and I rang my son to tell him that Pierre was wearing his shirt. And um, yeah, for a young fashion designer, that's a bit of a get to have uh, someone of his stature with an, an audience that follows him that, that is sizable. So, uh, yeah, anything but reality has uh, had a little bit of a kick up in status. Yeah, it's very exciting. Well, we won't keep you any longer than uh, between flights. I'm sure it's a, it's a tiring experience. No, it's not. It's, it's actually magnificent here in this lounge. Okay. I, uh, I'm quite enjoying it. So as soon as I'm finished with you, I'm going to have a quick bite and a drink and then go and queue up at gate C27. Well, no problem. Have a good time in Azerbaijan. We look forward to seeing your photos. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPix.com or KimElman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimElman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.